Welcome everyone to another edition of Governed by God, a biblical look at law, civics, and government. My name is Eric Leupold. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. So today is essentially part two of my interview with David Fowler. Uh, if you tuned in uh, on the last episode, we talked about the common law. Uh, David is president of the Family Action Council, Tennessee, and we were only able to finish the first portion of our discussion on the common law. And on this episode, we got a chance to finish on talking about positive law and how it relates to the common law, how it's supposed to relate, and how it's come to relate today. So I think it'll be a great discussion. I hope that it'll be a blessing to you and that you'll uh, enjoy it. So without further ado, my second conversation with David Fowler. Well, David, thank you for coming back on the show. I definitely wanted to to do this to uh, finish up what we started with regard to uh, <laughs> the common law, and we only got yeah. about halfway done. So, um, so from what uh, don't, don't don't worry, when I've done podcasts, sometimes I've been. This is my last episode until oh, I didn't get it all done. Next week we're going to do the last episode. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So, so I think the plan for today is to kind of finish where we left off. Um, and we, we, were, we were talking about the common law and the role of judges and, and what the common law is. Um, right. And actually, I was just reading uh, uh, Blackstone's commentaries on the laws of England. And yes. he got, I'm at the section where he said, what statute or statutory or statute law is right. and he said that right. it, it was something to the effect of it's it, you 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 make statutes either to kind of fill in the gap or correct what the common law That's is right. something lacking in the common law or right. to kind of reiterate or reinforce what the common law already says so Maybe right. I just want to start from there and be like, you know, yeah. is that is that positive law or is that something different? And what what role does that have to play in this? Right. It, it actually is um, positive law. And I would say to your listeners to be careful to distinguish between positive law, which would be, for instance, statutes that Congress or your state legislative body would make, and a positivistic view of law. It's sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, reason versus the rationalism, you know, um, we all use our reasoning, right? But rationalism uh, is a different thing. So, so when we speak today about positive law, we're, and we're speaking about laws that are made by legislative bodies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and actually the quote I pulled uh, to use today um, was from Blackstone is what okay. you you mentioned, and it's in the book I'd written on the Ninth Amendment. But he said here, statutes are either declaratory mm-hmm. of the common law or remedial of some defects therein. Okay. And so let me give you just sort of a quick example with sure. a major Supreme Court decision in 2015 which was about same-sex marriage, and states had created licensing statutes that all said, well, to get married, uh, you can go get a license, and you go file it wherever it is it's supposed to be filed. And that was to really, it was to prove your marriage. And in 1889, I think it was, um, 
the Supreme Court had said, well, the government doesn't confer the right to marry. Mm -hmm. Okay. We, we don't need a positive statute. So if we repealed every marriage statute in the country, nobody would say, well, I guess there's no such thing as marriage. <laughs> no one's going to get married anymore. <laughs> yeah. Marriage doesn't exist. You know, that's like saying teach schools shall not teach gravity because we've, we've decided to abolish it. I, I mean, <laughs> okay. You can say that. So, so the Supreme court actually said the statutes should not be read as destroying the right of marriage because mm -hmm. it doesn't come from the government, but it was to provide a registry and proof of the marriage. Okay. So the example, when you're going back into the 1800s is, um, you know, I get married in Tennessee. I move to Detroit, mm -hmm. live there for 30 or 40 years. My dad dies. We're coming back to Tennessee to take over the family farm. Let's put it back in this more agrarian culture, mm -hmm. you know, this. and something happens on the way home and I die. The question is who inherits dad's farm, my mm -hmm. dad's farm. Do my wife and children inherit it? Well, we would maybe if we're married. Right. But if not, it would go to my brothers and sisters. Hmm. So the common law said, well, the typical way you would do this is you'd bring in the family Bible, you'd bring in a preacher, you'd bring in witnesses who heard, you know, but boy, that can be a real problem mm -hmm. when the marriage was, you know, performed 30 years ago in a far flung place. Yeah. And people so, travel now. People travel a lot more now. That's right. So, so, you know, they want us to believe that it was all about race. And certainly some people did use statutes for that purpose, but, but these statutes have existed for a long time. And the Supreme court itself said after shortly after adoption of the 14th amendment, the real purpose of the statutes is so we'd know who's married and be able to prove it. Okay. So in the past they so, did it to try to prevent uh, blacks and whites from marrying or something like that. No, what I'm saying is we're told that today oh. that that's the reason it was done. Okay. And I'm sure some States in part, did it for those reasons. Okay. But the United States Supreme Court was saying, well, we have a defect in the common. Okay. It's it's not that marriage doesn't exist. So, wow, we better license this because marriage doesn't exist in America. <laughs> well, of course it exists. But the problem is, how do you prove it mm -hmm. when there's been distance and time? Um, you know, the minister that married us is dead. Hmm. Uh, my dad is my best man and he's on hospice care. Mm -hmm. uh, some of, some of the men in my wedding, I hate to admit a couple of them, I've lost track of them over the years. It's yeah. 40 something years ago. And um, so how would I prove for marriage? Hmm. You see? So that's why we had those statutes. So that's what Blackstone is talking about. Now the United States Supreme court, you can say, well, that's fine. That's Blackstone. That's England. Mm -hmm. But the United States relies on Blackstone all the time. And so this is what the United States Supreme Court has said. Okay. And they said, um, the Supreme Court said, quote, the great office of statutes is to remedy defects in the common law as they are developed mm -hmm. and to adapt it to the changes of time and circumstances. Now, they didn't say abolish it, hmm. which you can. You can say there is no... You could pass a statute and say you can't get married unless you get a license. But that would be contrary to the common law. That would be contrary to the common law. Right. So so people would say, no, I have I have a right to marry. Um, and it doesn't come from the government. So you need to accommodate me. OK, that's what I'm really arguing about in my own state 
is that the only way to get married today is to agree to the state law definition of marriage, mm. which is uh, any two people, not man and woman. And now they're trying to and change ministry. that with the newest, uh, was it Marriage Act they're trying to pass? Yeah, respect for Marriage Act. So the, so the p- point would be, even the United States Supreme Court said, the great office of statutes is to remedy defects and to mm-hmm. adapt to the changes of circumstances. So, for example, adapting to the changes of circumstances, in England, when you read Blackstone, uh, you'll see that the issue of property, okay, who owns property when you get married? And we used to have um, uh, the doctrine, and it now slips my name right now, but but where all the property was held in the name of the husband. Okay. Okay. Now, Blackstone says this is not a matter of common law. This is a matter of convenience for administering property. Okay. You know, there's one owner, right? And he said, but eventually we realized that's not essential to what marriage is. Mm -hmm. Marriage is a man and a woman who make certain kinds of promises. Mm -hmm. This is ancillary to the fundamental concept of marriage. And, we're, we're going to abolish this concept here so that women would own property in their own name. And what they said was, as, as the economy changed and women went into the workforce, that old rule didn't make sense. And so the parliament came along and said, no, we're going to abolish, abolish this idea. Mm-hmm. But that didn't abolish the idea that marriage is still a man and a woman. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it was, a, so it was adapting, the statute was adapting the common law concept of marriage to say, given that we're not an agrarian society anymore, given that women are in the workplace in a different way, how do we adapt the common law to fit the circumstances? That makes sense. Yeah. So, so statutes are supposed to be, in essence, always stating and clarifying what the pre-governmental law already is. Mm-hmm or correcting some defect that's appeared in time. And, and so you can also see why licenses become important. When everybody, in, in Abraham's day, everybody lived with Abraham, right? Yeah. And you all traveled together. You didn't need to worry about it. But, you know, as people began to move and we began to settle the country and people are moving all over the place, you, you got to have some way to prove a marriage. Yeah. Because you all don't live in the same hometown on the same family plot of ground. Yeah. So that was a, an adaption of the common law where the courts were saying, this is getting really tough to prove. People are having trouble proving their marriages, you know, that took place 30 years ago and uh, a thousand miles away. Yeah. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to pass a statute to provide a mechanism for having proof. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Does... Could something over time become, like a statute, become part of the new common law or become part of common law? Is that possible? No, no. The whole concept of common law is that it is not man-made law. I got you. It's not enacted law. It's not even judge-made law. Yeah. It's taught as being judge-made law. Mm -hmm. But I think as we discussed last week, the concept is, there is a law that's out there already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the judge's role was to try to figure out what it was and apply it to, you know, the situation. So when things get a little haywire, is where a legislative body decides to just just forget 
what the common law has to say and, and, and not really try to honor or, or fix any defects in the common law, but just start going its own way and making a whole other system of law. Is that fair to say? That, yeah, that's fair. So, so, for instance, right before we recorded today's podcast, there's mm-hmm. been a big blow up. It's in, been in Fox News about Vanderbilt University Hospital performing yeah. surgeries on minors. I heard about it. Um, yeah, that, you know, or, or prepubescent or even pubescent, removing mm-hmm. healthy mm-hmm. body parts. Oh, my goodness. Vanderbilt's response was, well, we're doing, not doing anything unethical because the parents have consented to it. <laughs> now, you and I would respect parental rights, but the common law would say, Parental rights correspond to parental duties. Duties and rights go together, and a parent can have no authority or right to violate their own duties. And to butcher their children. That's right. So it seems like the um, the concept of parental rights, that has to mean something, and, and what kind of standard are we going to use? And it would seem like the, the common law would say, well— the, you know, right. God's law, deci- you know, God has has created parents and children right. to, to right. behave a certain way. So you can't just say that you have a right to butcher your children and change their gender. Right. right. Now, I'm, I'm going to slip in something here that's very important to sure. understand. Probably some of your listeners have heard of Matt Walsh's video, What is a Woman? I have you heard, know? yep. Okay. And, and the bottom line, conclusion, as I understand it, is a woman is a female who can have babies. Mm-hmm. But the common law would say that's not all that a woman is because, this is very, very important to understand, you are evaluating things based only upon matter, okay. material. Uh-huh. Okay? That's the Marxist worldview. Okay. The only thing that's real is matter, uh-huh. right? And then we decide, how to categorize the matter. God said, no, a woman does have a material aspect to her being. Okay. She has babies and men don't, but a woman holds an office that corresponds to the office of man. Mm -hmm. And a mother and a father hold offices that have God given duties. Hmm. So if you reduce parentage to just, egg and sperm just function just pure material function that's right then how do you have a a non-material metaphysical category for saying but here's what comes with that Hmm. you hold an office with respect to your children so for example here's another clarifying the defects in the common law the common law has always said parents have a duty to support their children Mm -hmm. so if you ran off and left your wife you know you wouldn't have to have a divorce statute or an alimony statute or, or child support statute. The common law would have said, well, you've breached your duty. You get back in here and pay for these kids. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when every judge is sitting here deciding, you know, how much Eric should pay versus David should pay, they said, uh, let's have some statutes here and, and, and let's, let's, let's spell this out that if your income's over X and you, you know, you get so many dollars per kids, but mm-hmm. not so, but you know, you can't take all of Eric's income and we created a uniformity. There would be another example hmm. of positive law confirming the common law, but 
creating an arguable defect because different judges would see things different ways. Some would be lenient, you know, in the, in the Western side of your state against Eric, but he happens to live on the East side of the state and, you know, the judge over there hammers. Him. So we're going hmm. to, we're going we're gonna to fix it. Yeah. That's the relationship between common law and positive law. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So what do you see as, happening today in in the western culture particularly the united states with regards to this relationship between common law and positive law okay i'm going to give you two case examples Mm -hmm. for people to just put in their pipe and smoke on for a while i guess (laughs) in in april of 1938 Mm -hmm. the united states supreme court was faced with the question of common law what is the common law that should apply in this lawsuit between citizens of different states. Okay. Okay, So let's assume you came to Nashville, had a car wreck with me and we're in federal court suing over the damages. So what is the, what is the tort law that should apply here? You know, what happens when I was speeding, but Mm -hmm. Eric also happened to run the red light. Okay. You know, how, how do we sort out who's really liable or not liable? So the Supreme Court said this about common law. I'm giving you a quote, the doctrine of common law and that there's a law that transcends everything. Okay, so in some ways, it doesn't matter whether you live in Iowa or Pennsylvania, Ohio or Tennessee. There is a thing called marriage. Mm -hmm. Right. The court said the doctrine rests on the assumption that there's a transcendental body of law outside of any particular state, but obligatory with it unless and until it's changed by statute. Now, that's exactly what you and I have been talking about. Yeah. And they said that rests on this assumption that there's something transcendent until the statute clarifies it, changes it, or says now the only way to get married is a license. Mm -hmm. Then the court says, but law in the sense in which courts speak of it today doesn't exist without some definite authority behind it. And then they go on to say, The authority is that of the state. The authority and the only authority is the state. That sounds a little bit scary. Yeah. So they threw God out of the cosmos. (laughs) And and that's why we came up with judge-made law, which was never the case. The judge was trying to discern this transcendent thing out here. That was, that was usually reflected both within the tradition of the people and the understanding of scripture. Hmm. Oh, we've always done marriage between a man and a woman. Oh, uh, are we thinking of this right? Oh, yeah. Scripture helps us confirm that what we see happening is true and right. And, and so, um, yeah, Eric, uh, hmm. you kept telling people this was Mrs. Leipold and, and, you know, you did all these various things. You, you, you're married, son. I'm sorry, you don't have to have a license. There's proof that you're married, see? Yeah. And, and so the court abolished God. When you say there's no transcendent source of law, then there is no God behind law, right? Yeah, now that's, I find that, I mean, if, if it's very interesting that it's happening in the 1930s with the rise of materialism and, and a, and a sure. secular worldview, um, and of course, if, if you don't believe that there is a God, uh, at all, and we're just you right. know random bits of of mostly mostly water <laughs> floating around. Then I guess yeah. the, I guess I guess law or any kind of obligation is just you know choose your illusory. Own, 
Yeah, just choose whatever you want. Whoever has the power gets to make the rules. That's right. And that's why politics now, you know, to run for a state Senate office costs a million dollars sometimes <laughs> because it's all about there is no God who who exercises authority and providence and, and all of that and is given anything, any meaning. We give everything its meaning. Mm. We decide what to do with a person who has female body parts. Hmm. And if you want to remove them, that makes you a man. Hmm. If you keep them, it makes you a woman. So whoever has power makes all the rules. Now, with respect to that, and let's go back. We mm -hmm. just talked about the situation at Vanderbilt and the transgenderism and all this. So in 1938, the Supreme Court, now, now think of this. This is following the Scopes trial. Okay. Where God and Darwin went on trial. And and not long after the Scopes trial, the United States Supreme Court says, yeah, there's not any transcendent law anymore. <laughs> the only authority is the state. <laughs> you wow. see, You see what's happening in culture is being reflected yeah. in the law. Yeah. Now we get to 2015 and the decision about marriage. Now, the common law said marriage is a man and a woman. There wasn't any question about it. They wouldn't have had to have said that. Everybody knew that right? Yeah. because they believed in a transcendent existence with given meaning. And the word man and woman not only was a biological concept, but it it pertained to offices and a correspondence <laughs> to fulfill the dominion mandate. You had to have both sides of the equation. There was unity and diversity. Yeah, can I can I actually uh, ask a quick question because something that came yeah. to my mind? Um, so the Defense of Marriage Act that was signed by Bill Clinton back in the '90s that simply declared or affirmed that marriage is one man and one woman would that be an example of a statutory or a statute? trying to reinforce or clarify what the common law already believes. It's not trying to fix a defect in the common law. That's right. Okay. But what, what in essence Congress is saying was well, some people are getting confused now. Oh. But but we've passed statutes that use the word marriage and we always relied on the states to give us the definition uh -huh. because everybody defined it the same way. We we don't need to define it, right? Yeah. And in different states there are different ways to get married. Some states, you have to get a uh, license and a blood test. Some states, you have to get a license. Some states say you have to live within the state for so long or whatever mm -hmm. else, all kinds of rules. So we're not going to create a federal marriage law, mm -hmm. okay? Just do what the states do. Well, the states start getting confused. In 1993, Hawaii thinks this now violates equal protection under the state constitution and all mm -hmm. that. And Congress says, okay, however it is you get married, you go get married. But the only marriage we'll recognize is between a man and a woman. So it was declaring mm -hmm. what the common law had already said. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, now what happened in 2015 is in essence, the court said statutes that, that make clear the common law conception of marriage are now unconstitutional. Mm. So here's what the Supreme court said. This is the first sentence of Obergefell. And I can't say it loud enough, long enough, more <laughs> often, whatever. The, the Constitution, this is a quote, the Constitution promises liberty. And that word liberty is drawn by the court from the 14th Amendment, which says you can't deny a person life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So same-sex couples were saying, I'm being deprived liberty 
without due process of law because I can't get a marriage license because they only issue them to a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. The Constitution promises liberty to all within its reach. Now, listen to this, a liberty that includes certain specific rights. I don't know what they are, right? But, <laughs> but this is the premise that all persons within a lawful realm to define and express their identity. Hmm. Now, that is a complete cosmological revolution and repudiation of the triune God. And yeah. let me, can I just walk you through that? For yeah, a please do. Okay. So the concept that we have an identity is gone. Hmm. The givens of creation don't exist. Well, of course they don't exist because in 1938, we said there is no transcendent source of giving meaning to anything. Hmm. That is a constitutional liberty grounded in a transgender ideology. Liberty under the Constitution is the right to define and express your identity. That excludes God, given meaning, metaphysical categories, whatever it is I want to say, offices, roles. It, it abolishes all that. And they said, now, it's the liberty to specific rights. Okay, maybe it's not universal. I can define myself as a dog and... <laughs> You know, uh, there you go. Go, you could... go, go, go pee on the park bench, you know, because I'm a dog, right? Maybe I can't do that. Maybe that's still well, why not? Um, public indecency, yeah, why not? Yeah, and then they say within, within a lawful realm. Hmm. Now, that would give the Christian some assurance, let's say, that oh, well, good, there's, there's a lawful realm, oh, yeah. uh, but the question is who decides it, yeah. particularly when there's no God. It's true, it's the Supreme Court. Yeah. What we've now done is they say, okay, well, well, we do know one thing this this identification, self-identification includes is that two people of the same sex want to identify as married. So so now marriage has to be redefined so as to include two people of the same sex. Mm -hmm. What Christians didn't appreciate is that this is not a change on the fringes. This isn't like saying only white people can, can eat vanilla ice cream mm -hmm. to say, no, uh, black people can eat vanilla ice cream now at Baskin Robbins. Okay. We've, we've added something to it, but we didn't change what vanilla ice cream was. Ah, yes. But when you say, Oh, wait a minute, vanilla ice cream has to have chunks of uh, chocolate in it because some people like chocolate chip vanilla. <laughs> You've changed what vanilla ice cream is for everybody. You see it, what I'm saying? I'm no longer eating vanilla ice cream. I'm eating vanilla chocolate chip ice cream Yeah, because you changed what it is. I find it also interesting that in that first sentence from a burger fell that, that people can mm -hmm. define their own identity, uh, that even goes against, like you said, it goes against God. It also yeah, goes against right. uh, even... See, it's just, I just find it so ironic because we're all about materialism, but that even goes against material because if you identify different than what your physical body actually is, it's not that you submit yourself to the material, you change the material to meet your own identity that you've defined for yourself. It's That's right. That's yeah. right. But because there are no, because all we have is matter, 
we have to give matter its meaning. That's right. Yes. Okay. And what they're saying is we have such a radical autonomy in law loosed from God when there is no God behind common law or now even positive law. Mm -hmm. We've already discussed there's a connection, right? You, the, the statute should never do, you know, what the common law would would um, prohibit, would say, you, you yeah. can't you can't do that. Yeah. You can't abolish marriage. Uh, that's crazy. OK, hmm. well, when 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 that transcendence is removed, and it's been removed going on now, what, 84 years. Um, and mm -hmm. and then in 2015, it comes home. I've told people June 26th of 2015 was the completion of the French Revolution in America. No mm -hmm. God, no master. Mm -hmm. Now, appreciate what else has happened here. The Christian believes that everything in the universe, looked at as a whole, reflects the Trinity because the creation reflects the glory of God. Yeah. Part of the glory of God is he's one in essence and three in persons. Yeah. Now, a rock doesn't reflect, I don't guess, <laughs> the Trinity by itself, but it is part of a unity. Okay. So when we come to the human person, we would say to Matt Walsh, what you said is correct as far as it goes. But the Bible tells us that woman is a category of being that cannot be understood apart from its correspondence to man and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, Matt Walsh, you've embraced the very same Marxist materialist worldview hmm. as everybody else. And you've got the power in your little world of podcasts and whatever else to define it as a woman. And to give meaning but to other it. People, yeah, yeah, but other people have power in the, in the Air Force. We just saw today, we're getting rid of the words mom and dad yeah. to, to go with parent or whatever else. Oh uh, the transgender movement at Vanderbilt, see, they got power. So, so now it's just a contest of power because the biblical categories, the metaphysical non-reality, non-real categories that says matter is not all there is. Matter is actually reflecting. The natural reflects the spiritual. The natural comes first for us, then the spiritual. But the natural gives us a view toward the spiritual. So as C.S. Lewis said, like with Plato, he saw the shadow. He never would turn around to see the sun the shadow pointed to. Mm-hmm. So this lawful realm, the question is, where does it now go? Well, it's not hemmed in by God anymore. That's for sure. Yeah, it's true. So maybe parents can consent to the mutilation of their child's reproductive organs. Hmm. If we don't recover the concept that a parent is not mere biology, but is a, a category of being and relationships informed with unity and diversity. No, I'm not my child, but there is a unity mm -hmm. despite the diversity and arising in that are obligations. Yeah. Duties. Hmm. So the whole world as we have known it no longer exists in the law. And now we're seeing all of its fruits. So I told a pastor the other day who who's concerned now about a drag queen show in his city <laughs> in a city park. Oh my goodness. I asked him to get involved few years ago on the marriage issue. He said, well, you know, I think I'm interested. I'll, I'll call you back. Well, he never did. He got busy. And we talked yesterday and I said, but pastor, I, we have to appreciate 
that complaining about the drag queen show is analogous to this. Same-sex marriage is to a drag queen show. The equivalent of saying we're okay as long as you're a drunk and a high-priced prostitute, <laughs> but just don't become a cheap hooker hooked on heroin. Okay. <laughs> That's very vivid. That's too far. Yeah. <laughs> That's too far. You've gone too far now. And it's kind of like, but we swallowed the abolition of all categories. Transgenderism is just the next step mm -hmm. to saying if men and women don't exist as realities in marriage, they don't exist as realities. That's what transgenderism is. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're horrified by the drag queen show, but we're okay with the abolition of all the categories that would prohibit the drag queen show. Yeah. Hmm. Everything Does that make sense? Absolutely. Everything, everything goes down downstream, and now we're feeling the effects of the, uh, of the seeds that were yeah. planted um, many years ago. Um, That's right. Yeah, D David, I really, I really appreciate this laydown of the positive law, and uh, of course, you know when things are are is conversations are great. Time goes by so fast, and. Uh, uh, I, I asked, uh, it was, it's truly been uh, a good discussion and, uh, you know, I, do you have any final words for my audience no, uh, before we no, close? I today? just hope it's helpful to your audience and I would encourage them to keep listening as you explore these things for you to keep reading these first yeah. chapters of Blackstone. They're, they're so important to get an understanding of the foundation of our nation Yeah, and to then see how far we've departed from it. Absolutely. Well, uh, I'll be sure um, to uh, keep in touch with you, and 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 if any of my listeners have any questions about the common law, I'll just I'll just tell them to go email you. No, that'd be great. <laughs> but uh, uh, certainly, I imagine we'll we'll talk again. I'm sure other topics will come up as new Supreme Court uh, rulings come, and maybe we can we can meet up again to talk about new rulings as they come out and see what uh, what can be gleaned from them. So that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Appreciate thank you. you yeah. Thank you, brother, for, for coming on the show. And I uh, hope you have a wonderful rest of your, your day and weekend. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation. I certainly found it quite uh, informative, educational. I certainly learned a lot and, and really enjoyed um, hearing what David had to say about, uh, about the law. So uh, hopefully that's useful to you. There's so much more I imagine that could be talked about regarding these topics and how they apply uh, to us today, but it definitely seems like um, something has been lost in our culture that had once been there and been fairly well known in an earlier era, whether it was back in England many centuries ago or in the founding of the colonies here in America or the founding of the United States. But certainly since then, a lot has been lost. And I know David is, is trying to help recover a lot of that. And I am certainly interested in doing that as well. So if you have any questions, comments for either myself or David, feel free to email me at thegbgpodcast at gmail.com or go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can search for Governed by God and uh, message me there. And of course, please share the show with friend, coworker, family. Uh, get get out to as many folks as possible because that's really what I'm trying to do is to uh, help us to all think about 
these things and um, how they relate to our lives today. So thank you again for tuning in. Until next time, take care and God bless.